From the Rooker End is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. The Bet365 app lets you access pre-match and in-play markets and provides instant match updates across the biggest sports. Fancy the Hornets to go up to Old Trafford next week and return with the points? Will it be a debut to remember? For Odeon Igalo. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to build your own personalised bet. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. Well, we're not going to talk about a game. We've not been to a game and what hasn't happened. Uh, But we're here uh, to have a a weekly podcast uh, ready for your Monday morning. Remember, we do two podcasts a week now. One ready for Monday. One comes out on Thursday ready for your Friday commute. Uh, One is a reflection. One is a preview. Uh, My name's John. With me is Michael. And enjoying having no football to watch either. It's very restorative, I think. Is that that even a word? But yes. Hi, how are you doing? How calm Michael is at the moment. And Jason. Missing the football, I'm bored. <laughs> well, we are watching, uh, we're in the pub on a Saturday night and Liverpool are playing Norwich City. The classic thing is watching a, a team in yellow not play particularly great uh, does sort of remind you of uh, a Watford a little bit. But we'll get on to that. This is a very special podcast. Um, we're going to talk about like, the, the, the finale to this season and what we expect to happen. Uh, there's some good stuff to talk about with the, uh, the club's finances being uh, uh, published this week. Uh, but also because of our new uh, association with The Athletic, um, We've been able to to get hold of all their reporters from all the clubs that are in this battle with us, be it Bournemouth, be it uh, Norwich, Villa, Brighton and West Ham. We're going to hear from them all and just sort of try and find out how they're feeling. We know how we're feeling and we can guess how they're feeling, uh, but this is what we're going to be doing in this podcast. But we are, Michael, left with 12 games. We have to get another 14 points. Uh, you know, they, they're out, there are, as we mentioned last week, there's some games against the top six. Colin didn't like that phrase. Uh, you know, we've got Man United away next, Liverpool at home, Chelsea away, Man City at home. Can we, no, should we know that game? No, we won't. We, we have to go through the 90 minutes. Uh, and Arsenal away, Leicester at home. But then there's, the, there's, there's, there's six that we're sort of talking about where you would think, full effect, Watford could do something. Crystal Palace, Burnley away, Southampton at home, Norwich at home, Newcastle at home and West Ham away. We're going to speak to a lot of those people uh, and their reporters on The Athletic in, in, in this podcast. How, though, are you seeing those, let's say, 14 points that we need to, to reach? Are you seeing it as a mountain, as a hill, or just a lovely, long, straight road to safety? It's, it's a craggy, horrendous, uh, pothole-ridden road <laughs> winding up. You know when you go to a ski resort? and the coach driver drives up and he wings around corners and he just misses going over the edge. It's going to be like that. It's, abs- it's treacherous, I think, is the best way of, of putting it. And I think everyone has, you know, I said I was relaxed because there's no Watford game this weekend. Absolutely not. We've spent the weekend looking at what games we've got, who, what, who else is playing who. And the reality is, 
If Watford do stay up, it's going to be incredibly, incredibly close and it probably won't be done and dusted one way or the other final day or, or the week before. So this is a hell of a fight. Uh, it's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, it's going to be horrendous. But I say horrendous with, a, with an asterisk because really I think this is what we're in football for. A lot of people complain about getting promoted to the Premier League, what have you got to fight for, what's, what's it all about, you know, is it going to be boring? This ain't boring. We have got something to fight for. We have to fight tooth and nail. And we are going to have to fight tooth and nail. This is a very, very difficult run-in for Watford. We're in an extremely difficult uh, situation. But as football supporters, if we're worth our salt, <coughs> this is, should be what we live for. So we should be rolling up our sleeves and tackling this head-on. That said... <laughs> that said... That said, this... And I think I'm definitely speaking with a bit of hindsight and I'm, I'm jaundiced by the last couple of weeks you know Villa was painful um, uh, Everton was doubly painful and as a result of that Brighton we we got a point there but that felt bad as well and now we're having to feels like we're having to pick ourselves up and start again and we've got I've said this so many times on the podcast this year we've got we're running out of wiggle room now we have run out there is none I've got us finishing on 36 points I think, and I, that might just about be enough because everyone will hear later from the from our, our fellow supporters, our fellow correspondents uh, from teams in the same same mess. But it's just so we've run out of we've run out of road. We cannot we cannot take a wrong turn now. Um, and my question is whether we've got the the mental capacity to do it, because what we have to do we have to perform better now for the final twelve games as we have done for the rest of the season. Well, no, not necessarily. Colin did say, if we are to stay up at this point, we need four wins and two draws, which is exactly what Nigel Pearson did post-Liverpool. Uh, but we need to pick ourselves up to do that, because it felt, you know, we all felt bad after Brighton, but actually it's a point. So I guess you have to distance yourself as a supporter from actually the reality of, of the club and professional footballers. They'll be looking at it very differently to we are. It's, I think it's, it's just all up for grabs. <laughs> um, but I think, it all, I think it's on, a, on such a nice edge. You know, we've made such a big thing about Ismail Assar not being in the team. We've looked a very, very different team without him. Are we expecting too much of him to, to come back? Will the players be expecting too much of him when he comes back? Um, you know, we've got... It's just such nervous excitement coursing <laughs> through my veins, which is why I sound slightly erratic, I guess. But... It's, it's so hard for Watford. It's, yeah. it's just such a hard run. You look at the, the next couple of games and our final two games, it's going to be up and down. It's very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. I, and I'm, I'm just not sure. Jason, yeah, let, let's, let's be positive. You know, we have Mike on this podcast for, uh, for his, uh, some may say, uh, realism, uh, and, uh, and, but definitely not for his optimism. But if we are to stay up, what is it? What is it that this team are going to have to do to come next August be a Premier League football team? I'm going to start by saying what I think we don't have to do and I don't think we have to make too many changes tactically and the reason I say that is even with this sort of poor run of games we've had recently and a poor set of results we've had, we've been in winning or winnable positions. We know we've got the ability, we're set up to get the points to achieve that aim but what's cost us recently is those individual errors and the problem with the individual errors that have lost us points my worry is that the players will stop trusting each other and and stop believing so the most 
But when will that happen? Because, you know, Mike said we've got Man United and Liverpool. And we could easily go through those games and get absolutely nothing from it. And then be 10 games to go. Or, hey, we could get one a result. We could beat Liverpool. Easy, John. You've only had one bit. But when do you think that will be the point where they will stop believing in each other? I don't think it would be after the next two games. I think I think it, we could we could get some we could get certainly get something out of Manchester United. And after 56 minutes of the Norwich Liverpool game, it's nil nil, and Norwich have had the best chance of the game. <laughs> um, they are gettable. We gave them a game at Anfield as well. They are gettable. In terms of when do they stop believing? That's a tough one. I. I had a dream the other day. I can't remember what day it was. I had a dream, and and I and it was it was Watford, and there, and it was at the point I had given up hope. But I don't know when that was. I can't remember. <laughs> you know, it sounds really weird, but I, I just I, it was one of those you sort of wake up the next morning. It's like oh yeah, I had this dream, and, and I had it had gone for me, and I've got no point where it was. Have they stopped trusting each other? I'm going to point to Everton. After they had surrendered that two-goal lead at half-time, they came out and I saw Ben Foster coming for crosses that I think ordinarily he would have left behind. We look at Brighton and we see Adrian Mariapa turning it into his own net. I think there's just this crack starting to appear there and I think that just... I, I, I'm just asking the question back to you, Jase, whether they are starting to second-guess themselves. And, I, you know, I likened it to seeing little glimpses of the Watford that we saw earlier in the season. Oh, listen to me, the harbinger of doom. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I'm playing devil's advocate, you understand. You play, when Arlo hears this, he'll be furious. Dad, you must never give up. You must never give up. I'm not giving up. But I just think, you know, Everton, we looked a bit creaky very, very quickly. Brighton, it was a known goal that let him into the game. So is, has that self-doubt crept back in already? I, I don't think so. There, there was a, a good video put out by the, uh, the club this week with a team in training playing, uh, they were playing volleyball. And the, the, the camaraderie, the uh, the sort of the feeling of togetherness still seems to be there. They all seem to be enjoying themselves. There seemed to be a lot of Mickey taking from uh, every time one team won a point, they were looking at the other side. Gerard Delafeu, who's probably going to be the first to stop trusting his teammates, <laughs> was was sort of running towards the net at one point, sort of pointing at the opposition, sort of having a good old giggle. Um, so I don't think they've lost the trust yet. When that goes, that won't happen, will it? Because we're staying up. When could it go? I don't know. But to stay up, we need we need that belief. We also need to be okay and not suffer from injuries too much. Yeah. Now, the obvious one is when does Ishmael Assar come back? And we're sort of hoping, we, we hear that he was on the mend, could have been back um, for the Brighton game, probably rested. Pearson's pre-match comments were all about being careful with these types of injuries, so no surprise that he didn't play. The uh, club did put out a video, I think it was today in fact, on this on Saturday, uh, of Kiko uh, and uh, Ishmaela running on grass, which is the big thing apparently these days, um, with the whole of the squad. So you know they're part of that, that squad, so you think, yeah, that's a good sign that they will be back. The question is, are they starting back or are they just back for as a sub? Yeah, and I don't. I, a lot of people have sort of said... It's very important we get Saar back. Again, I, I slightly agree with that. I, again, I go back to the point about being in winnable positions um, in the games without him. But he does give that extra dimension to our attack. Uh, we've got Delafeu on the side who has got pace, who I think can beat centre-backs for pace. He's good for that ball over the top of defenders. But Saar gives you that extra dimension where you can get behind a defence wide and I don't think we get that with Delafeo. not just balls over the top but also with the ball at his feet Sark can then go and beat a man which Delafeo 
can beat but then doesn't go. So important that we get him back in the team. And I also think Etienne Capou as well. I think he's important to our, our midfield. He's a big core of the team. I want to see him stay fit and stay in the side. We talked about many years ago, I think it was Daniel Terger, yeah. as being the quarterback. Yeah. To sort of spray those passes out quickly. And we saw that in evidence against Everton where he changed the play quickly and, and sort of got us moving forward quickly. And Capou often gets held up for, for not doing that and for slowing the game down but I think he has got it he has got the ability with his long range passing to switch the to switch the play very quickly and I think that's important with the way that we are playing at the moment with the way we seem to start slowly sit back a bit and then go and I think he could be key for us getting in front in games and getting in control of games by switching the play quickly and taking chances where we're not creating them in other ways. So I think he is, he is key to the side as well. You've skirted over him there, John, but I think Kiko coming back, Feminia coming back on that right side as well. So if you have Feminia and uh, Ismail Assar coming back on that right side, that makes a hell of a difference. Someone that can bomb forward decent defensively as well. And I think if he's fit, if we can get him back into the side sooner rather than later, a, a, a right back who is a right back who also offers something going forward, which is where I think we've been lacking pretty much for the entirety of the season I think our forward play has been you know that what I used to love this Watford side when it's been good it's been that marauding transporting from start from transitioning from defense to attack it's been great that's when we've been successful and we've really struggled to do that this year and I think for many of being back in the side or the squad at least could be a massive massive plus so him and Saar coming back is probably bigger than than people might initially think and he's been missing for so long you kind of forget about him and I think that's borne out by the way you talk about him or we saw him in a video but him coming back could be could be absolutely massive and I think the dynamic of this Watford side needs to change if we're going to get out of the get out of this problem. We're going to need to come up with some big results. You know, we were quite swashbuckling against Villa. We put them to the sword. We had our, 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 our foot on their throat and we we sorted them out. We're going to have to do that more often than not this year. And I think we're going to need our better players back and functioning at, at full throttle. The other thing that that does as well when, when they're all back is that it gives competition for places. And I think at the moment the team's almost picking itself, isn't it? it, it Maybe in midfield we, we've got decisions to make with Chalabar and Hughes. Um, but that's only a new problem to have to think about. You know, you know, Hughes only started the last, you know, the last game against Brighton, but you hope that that will be a, a massive decision. Yeah, and, and probably the rest of the side, it's, at the moment, they, they are picking themselves. It, it, so we, we need to get the other players back in so we can start seeing that competition for places so the players know... As individuals, they have to perform, otherwise they're going to be out of the side. I think we just need to get Kiko back so we can free up Mariapa to play up front. But, Michael, <laughs> apart from the other teams maybe having an absolutely worse run in and, and not performing, you know, we, we, you know we, 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 that could be a thing to stay up. I asked Jason what we have to do to stay up for, for a very good reason. I'm asking you for another very good reason why Watford are going to go down. Because you are the, and your own words, the arbiter of, of doom <clears throat> if we go down it will be entirely down to the start of the, the season we had it was an, an absolute abomination you know it the the tone was set with the first day at home to brighton we were absolutely played off the park people talked to that being talk about brighton being one of the first var decisions that didn't go against us with the with the handball in the air forget it that was it was a poor poor performance and that showed us that the hangover was real from the end of last year and it carried on far 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 too long and 
Far too long under Javi or far too long under Javi and Kike? Both. Both. It was just unacceptable for far too long. And the players that we've got now are the players that performed so well last year. They are responsible as much as management, as much as recruitment. They were good enough last year for large portions. They should be good enough this year for, for large portions, or at least a big enough portion to make sure that we aren't in this sorry mess we are now. So if we do go down, that, the start was almost unprecedented. It was, it was really, really, really very, very poor. And we burned through so many games that we would have budgeted for points to have got either draws or wins, and we didn't get, we didn't get anything. Not only didn't we get points, the confidence was eroded away, we suffered injuries, so we were behind the eight ball so early in this season. And it's credit to Nigel Pearson that we're actually back in with a shout, and credit to the players mm. as well. So the start of the season was just so... And I'll tell you the start, the first half of the yeah, season, yeah. it wasn't just the start, was it? It was a half a season where we just weren't at the races for whatever reason, and that will be, that will be the, 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 the reason if we do go down. The thing is, you're talking about that, the, the first half of the season. Uh, if you haven't listened to the podcast that uh, went out on Thursday, uh, Adam Leventhal, uh, our new Thursday comrade, uh, who does the preview podcast, uh, part of The Athletic, uh, he went and spoke to Kike. And, you know, it was lovely to hear the little bits in, in, in the podcast. The, the full article and the full interview is, is on theathletic.com, uh, which you can get with a 4% discount uh, by going to athletic.com forward slash rookery end. But there, there was so much sort of going on at that point that, you know, Kike talked about the fact that he didn't have a chance to, didn't have a, a pre-season to really put his, his, his thoughts and his, how he wants to play on the, on the players. And that really feels, that you know, article and, and that podcast really makes me feel like, you know what, that's the problem with, with Kike. It wasn't that he was the wrong manager to do the right thing, but he didn't have the time, the place, um, and uh, and in many ways the personnel to, to, to put in what he wanted to put in. I do have a, a point about Kike. One of the things he said when he joined was that he didn't, he wasn't familiar with being in charge of a side at the bottom of the table and then being in that situation. And at the time that felt like, a, oh good, yeah, he's, he's, he, he doesn't have teams at the bottom of the table. He's the man to get us up the table. But actually in hindsight, probably easy to say but then okay why are we getting in a man who doesn't have the experience of getting a, a side out of a mess like this whereas now obviously we've got Nigel Pearson who has been there and has the experience so you can look at that and say okay maybe that makes it clear that that was the wrong decision we needed someone in who knows to get us out of trouble will we get out of trouble that is the question and that's the fun thing as Michael was in his weird way, alluding to uh, that there's an excitement about these last 12 games of the season. To wrap this little bit up, we've been quite scientific about what needs to happen, what might happen, what should happen, what shouldn't have happened. The reality is we're here. Now, uh, we're here, John, Jason and I, we're talking as supporters of Watford and we've got no option now but just to get massively behind Watford Football Club. We are supporters, we're where we are, it's going to be difficult and... Whatever's going to happen is going to need us to support. There's no point looking back. There's no point backbiting. There's no point talking about um, Kike. There's no talk, point talking about Harry. There's no point talking about the, the role of Filippo Giraldi, for example, and the, uh, the acquisition of players. What we have to do now is get behind this football club. We're supporters. So we've talked a lot about this, that and the other. We're in a fight. We're in a dogfight. We've got a job to do now. 
Uh, and I'm talking to you, John. I'm talking to you, Jason. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. And I'm talking to everyone listening. We need to roll our sleeves up and get on with it. We can get out of it and we're in it together. Let's, uh, let's see what happens. It is exciting, but we've got to do our bit as well. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Mike's surname is Parkin. He's a son called Arlo. And this is our feature, Michael Parkin. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkin's son. It's Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? Good. Thank you very much for joining us, my man. Now, not long to go now in the season. And if Watford are going to get out of trouble, they're going to need some big performances. They're going to need some heroes, I think. So who do you think is going to be Watford's hero? In the, towards the end of the season to help us get out of relegation trouble. Decore. He's been a good defender lately and a very good attacker because he used, no offence, he used to just put them over the top or put them wide. And he started scoring quite a lot now. So he's found, Decore's found his form and he's going to be the man to keep Watford safe. Yeah. Love it. There you go. Abdullah Decore is the man to save Watford. Arlo, thank you so much for joining us. Bye, and and Pereira and Dini. A couple of extra heroes there. Cheers, Arlo. We are getting on a little bit. I'm from the rookery end, and we are always trying to look young and stylish. It doesn't always work, but we have some help, and it might help you too. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that takes the work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic, fill in a style quiz and tell Stitch Fix about your personal style and aesthetics, budget, size and shape, fit challenges, clothes needs and wants. The personal stylist will send you five items of clothing, each hand-picked for you from Stitch Fix's selection of a hundred brands including established names cool emerging designers and exclusive brands you won't find anywhere else try on everything at home style with your own items in your wardrobe buy what you love and send back the rest to get started with stitch fixer today and support our podcast by going to stitchfixer.co.uk forward slash athletic right now that's s-t-i-t-c-h-f-i-x dot co dot uk forward slash Athletic. I'm, I'm not a financial person. My bank balance will tell you that. Uh, but the club's finances came out this week. Uh, Adam Leventhal uh, put together an article that came out last Saturday uh, on The Athletic uh, about his sort of take on things. Uh, and then, if you love a bit of detail about finance in football, you've got to follow Swiss Ramble uh, on, uh, on Twitter. And he put out a fantastically in-depth look uh, at all the finances. Uh, was it an ediapt? ED apt anyway one of the one of the, the measures he, he used which was beyond me um, but generally reading those finances as a comparative to previous years from a man who knows a lot about finance the general feeling Michael was we're in a good place things are moving in the right direction aren't they yeah. and to go back to what we've just been talking about they're moving in the right direction all predicated on being in the Premier League which, which is fine, you, only, you can only deal with, with, the, with what you're dealing with at the moment. But yeah, it, it, all, everything that, that he said, he's very 
forensic. The, the Swiss Ramble thread is forensic. It's well worth a read. He posts graphs and explanations that are easy to follow for the layman. And if something isn't looking good, he doesn't take a, a step backwards in, expl- in saying that. And for the most part of the, this lengthy thread, he's very, very positive. And I think that's something to take great heart in and, and a bit of pride in. You know, we're owned by someone who's obviously looking after the club and things are, things are going in the right direction. It, it does reinforce, however, how important it is to stay in the, in the Premier League. But yeah, for absolutely fascinating. And I think football supporters, Watford supporters, should, should definitely check it out. Yes, uh, at Swiss Ramble uh, on on Twitter. But Jason, you know, we talked about the you know, the positives and made a profit. Um, definitely, the, the, we are dependent on selling players. So the money from Richarlison and the money from Dodi uh, Lukbakio was an important part of that. And uh, 4.5 million uh, from a certain settlement with Marco Silva and Everton. But Mike sort of alluded to it. How do you feel about the fact that if we did go down? which we've clearly stated already in this podcast how we're not going to go down. If we did go down, do you think that we are a club, according to this anyway, a little bit more dependent than many of the clubs in our division on this TV money? Do you think, though, we've got owners that would be able to cope with that, where we've seen so many clubs not be able to cope with going down? I think they'd cope with that in a, by being smart. I don't know, perhaps they'd, they'd try and find the other loophole, you never know. But I think, <laughs> for me, for me, that he... he, he, he there's a few things to consider. One, financial fair play. Two, that debt that's been sold to a, a, a finance company. Um, and three, the players. No doubt we would go down. Some of our assets are too good for the championship. We would need to sell them because that's what they are. they are. They are assets when it comes to, to finances. Um, and that would probably cover a fair bit of the debt, I'm sure... I don't want to use the word fire sale. It would be something of that, I think. Um, but potentially there are some players that we, we could hang on to for a bit longer. Some of the some of the, yeah bigger and better players, well-known players would probably go um, and, and should still go for a, a decent amount of money. And that would cover probably the, the majority of the debt. You've got the parachute payments as well, and that would help us. It, it depends how we then approach the attempt at the return to the Premier League because you know that's exactly what we'd want to do. We're not going to sort of try and consolidate in the championship, I don't think. I think we would look for a, an immediate return. So it's how we go about that. Do we have the players in the squad that we have? We've already seen with, with this being clearly our worst season in the Premier League since we've been back up. And people have been anticipating life in the championship for quite a long time now. I've been putting out starting 11s for next season based on the <laughs> young players yeah. and the youth that we've got and saying that this team will, will sort of walk the division almost. So I don't want to put words into people's mouths there, but they're inferred. It was inferred, yes. Mm. I think I need to come in and say it's a fascinating thread and I think it's comforting in the, in the main. I think you know, 90% of the, of the news is either expected or good news and, and the other 10% might serve as a little bit of a wake-up call as just to how dependent we are on the, on the Premier League. I don't think we're, we're any different to any number of clubs in the Premier League in that respect. I think the time to look at it is at the end of the season and then, and then work out what we're going to do. What I do find a bit unpalatable is the way that the motives of, of the owners have, have been brought into question. Not the motives, but the, 
uh, the ability or the skill or the investment from the, from the owners has been brought into question from some quarters over the last couple of months. And yes, you can point to not getting in a, a new right back, not getting in a new centre back, not buying a striker. That's very, very difficult to do. And it's not an exact science. The, the criticisms and the, the negativity coming out of this are the fact that it seems to be that we didn't invest in players when in a profitable club, and it was only 16 million, I think, you know, that could have invested more in the club. I don't know if that would have that would that would have made it worse. And we sort of have because the stuff, we, the money we spent on Czar wasn't included in that. And there's also the fact that this finance was. Uh, the, the debt that we had was refinanced and taken away from Gino as an, an owner and put onto um, 23 Capital. Uh, in Roman numerals, that by the way, 23, just so you visualise that. That's been the question for me in my head as a fan. Mike. You know, the fact is, why do that? Is it just for Gino? Is it for reasons for him personally? Is it for the fact that that then frees him up to put more money in the club in a different way? Or does it make us more sellable or investable or whatever it is? That's the thing that the only thing I had in my mind reading it is that, oh, that's interesting. It is interesting. And I think we, you know, as fans, we position ourselves as critical friends. And I think that's important. We need to keep an eye on it. But I think we also need to cut a bit of slack and take things on face value and take things as we see them. What has Gino Pozzo and his team done since they've they've come into Watford Football Club? Hang on, are we in the middle of uh, Love of Brian? What the Romans ever done to us? <laughs> what the Pozzo's ever done for us? <laughs> He's a very naughty boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, look at the stadium compared to, to six, seven, eight years ago. Look at the level of football we're playing at. Look at the players who have come in. And you know, you talk about investment in in players. And you mentioned Ismail Assar. They had to go to war to bring him in, and it cost an absolute fortune. He cost an arm and a leg. And earlier on in the podcast, we were discussing how important he is to Watford's potentially staying up. He could be the difference. So if you're talking about recruitment being an issue, then they went out and splashed the cash and he's the difference. We've said it ourselves. It's great that these threads are out there. It's great that we take an interest. It's vital that we take an interest because I think we need to hold people accountable in a world where people aren't held accountable enough. However, I think we need to... I think they've earned a little bit of slack. I think they've earned a little bit of, of respect. And if we do go go down, then we'll look at it, look at the, the the results in a different way. If we stay up, they'll be looked at in a different way. I just think it's we do need to recognise what's been achieved at this football club, and it will have come at no little cost. And yes, it, it, the TV money does make a huge difference, but you need to have that money in the first place to get Watford up. And they've done it. Everything they've done so far has worked out for Watford. Let's talk again at the end of the season. Bookmark that thread, perhaps, mm. and let's, let's revisit it as a podcast, as a fan base. For now, I definitely think that it all points to everything going in the right direction in as much as it can do. It's very, very difficult to be self-sustaining in the Premier League. It, it, impossible. I think they're doing things right. Let's wait and see. They've earned a little bit of slack. They've learned a little bit of... They've earned a little bit of slack. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the Rookery End. 
Thanks to our uh, new partnership with The Athletic, we've got something special for you, something a little bit different. We've been able to uh, utilise the, the correspondence that they have at The Athletic. Uh, and coming up, we have got views from all the clubs that are in and around the relegation battle with us. Peter Rutzler from Bournemouth, Michael Bailey, who we've had on the podcast before, from Norwich, Greg Evans from Villa, and you can tell he's from Villa, uh, Andy Naylor from Brighton, and Rashan Thomas from West Ham. We wanted to see what they thought, and the first question we asked them was, are you surprised to find your club in the relegation battle? I think if you go back to the start of the season, yeah, I would be surprised that Bournemouth are in the bottom three. The squad they'd assembled is certainly the strongest they've ever had. It added depth in areas they needed to, especially defence, like with Lloyd Kelly, Jack Stacey, even in tack, Arnott Danjuma, Philip Billing in midfield. So when you factor that in, they didn't lose key men like Ryan Fraser and, and, and Callum Wilson. So... Yeah, from that perspective, it is a surprise. But when you look at how the season's panned out with injuries, I know a lot's made of that. I know most clubs suffer suffer from them, but who they've lost, when they've lost them. I mean, the likes of David Brooks being out for the entire season is massive. He's so important to the way they play. You know, the, that has taken a huge toll. N- not to mention Fraser's loss of form purely because of his contract situation, which has really, really hindered the club too. So when you factor that in, it, yeah, it, it does become less of a surprise. But if you go back to the start of the season, yeah, I, I, you can't, it would certainly be a surprise. No, I'm not surprised that Norwich are in a relegation fight. I, I think I'm a bit disappointed. There was a lot of optimism in the summer that having won the title and the way Norwich did it, even regardless of their budget, I think there was a hope that the squad would prove good enough to deal with Premier League, um, which maybe was a little naive given Norwich have tried that before. Disappointing maybe that some players took it took them a while to get going, to adjust and that collectively perhaps they don't look like they've quite got enough quality and, and Norwich probably did need a different couple of signings to, to try and give them more of a chance. Am I surprised that Aston Villa are in a relegation fight? Well, no, not really. I always expected them to be struggling this season and battling to stay in the division. Uh, having won promotion from the playoffs last season, it was always going to be a tough season and one of, of building and consolidating, really. And you know, The aim for Villa this season was to, was to finish 17th at worst and just stay in the division. At the moment, Dean Smith is doing that. He's, he's got the, his club ahead of the bottom three. They're beating the teams around them, picking up enough points, really. And I, and I still think that they will survive. I think it's going to be close and it will go very... You know, It might even go to the wire, even on the last day when Villa play West Ham. But I think they've just got enough to survive. I'm not surprised Brighton are in a relegation fight, considering the changes that have taken place at the Amex Stadium this season. Chris Hutton was sacked in May and Graham Potter appointed in his place. Graham's a very different type of manager to Chris. He makes lots of changes in position, substitutions, style of play, and it was always going to be a work in progress. People have got a bit carried away with some results. The 3-0 win at Watford on the opening day is a good example. I think that created a false sense of how quickly Brighton would be capable of reaching their long-term vision which is to establish themselves as a top 10 club in the Premier League. The win at Arsenal in December was another example. It's not a surprise that West Ham are currently in a relegation zone. I mean, a lot of players have been out of form. Sebastian Haller has attempted a single shot in his last four league games, which is very worrying. Manuel Lanzini has been out of form. Pablo Fornals has been out of form despite having a good month for December. Felipe Anderson is currently injured. Andrea Malenko is currently injured. 
So this has resulted in West Ham having a lack of creativity for large parts of the season. So hopefully this will be addressed with Jared Bowen arriving at the club. You know, he can offer the team pace, you know, an extra bit of threat in the final third. Snodgrass has been in really good form for West Ham, so hopefully he'll play an important part in the coming months. Despite looking worrying right now, uh, West Ham being uh, in a precarious place in the league, you know, fans can feel optimistic with the key players set to return from injuries. But also, you know, tough games are coming up. Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal. But having said that, on their day, West Ham could be anyone. And we saw that in the one-nil defeat, sorry, the one-nil win rather, over Chelsea last December. So if West Ham can replicate that in the coming months, then that'll be really good. We had to find out, of course, we're in a battle with them. What is the one thing that's going to keep their club in the Premier League? I think the one thing that will keep Bournemouth up will be their home games and their home form. I think we saw a return to the Vitality Stadium becoming a difficult place to go against Brighton and Villa. It had that intensity again, the performance had that intensity which they've lacked and their away form has been poor. They've lost seven of the last eight on the road and the games they've got to come, they've got a really tough run in, but they've got Palace, Newcastle and Southampton at home. Those are games they've got to win and those are the games that will probably decide if they stay in the division. I feel like there's lots of little things missing will help keep Norwich up this season. At the moment, probably believing they're still in it because they have not been very far off in so many games and they've been playing well for a, for a couple of months now. It's just the really fine margins, which of course are making a huge difference because Norwich aren't picking up the points they need. But if they can maintain the belief through the next run of games, which are all quite hard, and if they can just pick up one or two results that are eye-catching, then that could give them a platform when they get to the games where they're playing the teams in and around them. Norwich are playing catch-up. So I think as long as they have that a belief it's the only thing that can possibly give them a chance what is the one thing that will that will help keep Villa up this season I think it's just providing they don't get any more injuries I know that sounds crazy but they've had so many disruptive injuries already this season to Tom Heaton their number one goalkeeper John McGinn arguably their most influential midfielder Wesley the, the, their record signing and you know and a few others here and there so the key for Villa is not to get any more injuries you know if they were to if they were to pick up an injury if, if, if say Tyro Mings or Jack Grealish was to pick up an injury that could be so disruptive for the for this team going forward. Two words, Alexis McAllister will keep Brighton up this season. Who's he, you're probably wondering. He's a young Argentinian attacking midfielder who the club actually signed in the January 2019 window from Argentinas Juniors. They loaned him back to his club. He's been on loan for Boca Juniors in Argentina this season while Brighton strove to get a work permit for him. He's made really good progress, faster than the club anticipated, doing well at Boca, has actually had a call up to the Argentinian senior side and is just coming off the back of a really impressive tournament for the under-23 South American Championships, helping Argentina qualify with four goals and as many starts. His quick progress enabled the club to secure a work permit He's teaming up with them for the final 12 games of the season. He can play as a 10, he can play off the left, different roles in that in that midfield area. And he might just bring that bit of craft that Brighton have been lacking so often in matches. And also very strong at set pieces. He scores quite a few goals from long range from outside the box. He could just make the difference. I mean, the arrivals of Darren Randolph, Thomas Socek and Jared Burma give fans a lot of optimism in the coming months. Obviously, Randolph was brought in to replace Roberto. 
Jared Bowen will offer this team pace, creativity, which is which the West Ham have lacked for the last part of the season. And Thomas Solchak is a player I really like. He reminds me a lot of Marin Fellaini. And obviously, although it's early days, if he can be what Fellaini was uh, for Moyes at Everton, that would be really good. So these arrivals will give fans optimism in the coming months. And you just hope that we can have an immediate impact and hit the ground running. I know fans will say, you know, Jared Bowen, he's not in the Championship, not the Premier League. If you look at Michael Antonio, it's the same thing was said about him when he arrived from Nottingham Forest, and he's been a great player for West Ham over the years. So these are these are reasons for why fans shouldn't be uh, resigned to relegation just yet. So hopefully they can uh, hit the ground running. And uh, yeah, tough games are coming up, so hopefully they can play well in those matches too. And of course, finally, they've seen us. They've seen the the, 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 the whole Premier League over the, this part of the season. They know what's going on because they've been to all the games in all the clubs. Why do they think Watford will, and do they think Watford will stay in the Premier League? I think they can. I think I think Watford do have enough to survive. I think their remaining fixtures are kinder compared to those around them. And they've done the hard bit. Nigel Pearson's come in and, and changed everything. You know, he's put them back in contention when they were at risk of being cut adrift. And they've you know that he's instilled a positive mindset. Mindset. There's confidence, and that's absolutely key. That's what's going to win matches. That's what that's what's going to pick up points. I'm sure it'll go down to the last game of the season, uh, which I know will be difficult for Watford with City and Arsenal, but it's certainly in their hands and they'd certainly, I think, have enough to stay up. What I would say about the Premier League this year is I think that the bottom sort of two thirds is is really strong and there are going to be some good sides that go down and maybe sides that aren't prepared for it. I think Watford have been very good at keeping things relatively tight for a long period. You can see what Nigel Pearson has done with them. And they do have that experience and quality that means that they certainly have the ability to get themselves out of it. I, what I'd probably add with that, though, is that if they don't, that's because the competition down at the bottom has been so intense. You know, Watford chop and change their manager. It's 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 almost the polar opposite of the approach. So with my Norwich hat on, um, there's an element of looking forlornly at Watford doing it in the complete opposite manner um, because it would be nice to think of, of the way Norwich are doing it can be successful at, at this level but um, it will be fascinating who does end up dropping out this season. I think Watford look like a different side now under Nigel Pearson. With the goals that they've got up front, they will they will just about have enough to survive but again, it's going to be very close and could go down to the wire. I think Watford will stay up. They showed up Brighton in the 1-1 draw, so they've got the combination of, they have got some really good attacking talent, which means they're capable of scoring goals, but but they showed resilience in the Amex Stadium when they sat in in the second half, were not troubled that often really. I look at the quality in the Watford squad, the real surprise is that they are where they are with the players that they have. I think they'll survive along with Brighton. As for Watford, similar to West Ham, Watford has some tough games coming up. I mean, next for Watford is against Man United and Liverpool. And their last two league games are against Man City and Arsenal. So it's a tough ask. I mean, similar to West Ham, Watford can be anyone on their day. But with a lot at stake in the coming months, it's going to be a lot of pressure on players. And I just don't know if we have what it takes to survive. Jason, interesting hearing from, from all those guys. Uh, I always like hearing from other clubs a bit more in, in detail because there's that feeling uh, where... We can just live a life as a football fan off results. Say, oh, they lost last week. They must be rubbish. We're going to play the next week, so it'll be great. What did you sort of take from, from those, as a Watford fan, listening to other people and other clubs that are in the same battle as us? It was particularly interesting for me hearing the, um, their view of us. Uh, and because as, as Watford fans, sometimes we can be a bit 
pessimistic i'm looking at michael here mm-hmm. uh, but, but generally i think all of us i think we, we look at it and you, and you just think oh oh god oh god, now what you know we've been watching the norwich liverpool game and every time something bad has happened we've done all oh, that's very watford-esque isn't it <laughs> um so to actually hear a, a, a more sort of an outside view of of how they think we are doing sort of it calmed me down a little bit i'm, I'm I, I think i was feeling okay anyway about our chances still but to hear the majority of the fans talk about us in a good way and saying that they think we will be okay, then I'm, I'm yeah, that, that sort of calmed me down, placated me and thinking, yeah, we will be fine. I think the, uh, the West Ham guy, was it Rashan? Yeah. He, he, he wasn't as positive as the other guys. Uh, I don't know if that's just that big club mentality <laughs> that he's got. Or he's being realistic, and, and and I think Michael Bailey touched on it for for Norwich as well. In terms of there's a lot of good sides down there. They, they, there's there's a lot of quality, even at that level of the division. The, the relegation battle has got some great players and great sides, great sides, but good sides that can play good football in there. And we can carry on playing good football towards the end of the season, and still we may go down that's still it's up there I've said it before it's, this is sport this is sport there are no guarantees you might have the best not the best players but you might have some very very good players but still not be able to to beat the rest and, and you end up being relegated that's, that's, that's the way it goes so yeah I, I, I enjoyed listening to it um, good to hear their point of view Please, they all think we're going to stay up. <laughs> yeah, there was a very positive. But it's, it's, it, the biggest thing I got for it, Michael, was about fine margins. Uh, we've had fine margins. They've had fine margins. Uh, and and we're, it's going to be fine margins all the way. And that, Yeah, you're absolutely right, unfortunately, which is, goes back to what I said earlier. It's just going to be an absolute pothole-ridden roller coaster to the end of the season. But just to finish off what Jason said there about a good side is going to go down. And it was quite encouraging slash nerve inducing that uh, Michael Cox otherwise known as Zonal Marking on Twitter was at the Watford Brighton game and he said he came away from that game realising that a good footballing side is going to go down and I think we as supporters in amongst the maelstrom if you like that that horrible relegation battle are guilty of saying oh we're terrible we're not good at this we've had terrible injuries he went to that game and saw two decent sides and came away with the realisation that there's going to be a decent footballing side that, that goes down so we have to get used to that. We have to level that off. And just hearing those guys talk, everyone has got real big plus sides, haven't they? Everyone, even even Norwich, that we're talking about, you know, if the, if the belief is there, there's still that faint glimmer that they can, can turn something around. And we've watched them tonight run Liverpool close. Um, so, yeah, they, they're all good sides down there at the bottom. And I think we need to cut ourselves some slack as Watford supporters. And, you know, gosh, you know I'm as bad as anyone. For <laughs> we, have, we have had a terrible first half to the season, but... We're still a good footballing side. We'd still probably deal with most sides in the championship, for example, um, quite comfortably. It's just it is. It's those fine margins. It's keeping the teams, keeping it fit, keeping you know. Can the VAR decisions go your way? Do you get the, that odd little bit of luck as the ball spin your way? And that is where we're at. You could almost hear our own voices in all those guys in some of their answers, couldn't you? That's just where we're at at the moment. We just need to accept that it's going to be. It's not quite in the lap of the gods because if, the, if our boys turn up and, and, and play like the way they can, I think we can get out of it. But it's, it's, the, it's the flip of a coin, rubber the green, the, the spin of the ball. That's how it's going to be. We've all got good sides, all got good squads, all got reasons to be hopeful, all got reasons to be fearful. 
you can listen to those and you can read all the articles uh, from those guys on The uh, Athletic. You remember, you can get a seven-day free trial by going to theathletic.com forward slash rookeryend. Uh, and in fact, if you do sign up as a full-time subscriber, it's a 40% discount. Uh, you can hear the 1874 podcast all about Villa. On the ball with Michael talking about Norwich. And Rashan can be heard on the Uines podcast. Uh, and of course, you can listen to From the Rooker End ad-free if you are a subscriber on The Athletic. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, do keep in touch. Uh, and uh, we, we, we've got 12 games to go. And we will see what happens. But it's going to be fun. Isn't it, Mike? Look. <laughs> Look. It's not going to be fun, I don't think. It's going to be incredibly difficult. It's going to be um, emotionally draining. But this is why we're football supporters. And the, work, the emphasis there is on supporters. Let, think, think about how memorable it could be if uh, away at the Emirates, away at Arsenal, we secure safety and we're in the Premier League for another season after this absolute nightmare of a year. Come on, you all, it's, we've got this. Come on, you all. Yeah.